Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Brody Sports Talk. Happy New Year. It's 2021 and we have the NFL playoffs. Things can't really get much better. Uh, I, of course, am Caleb Walgren and I'm joined by my friend, colleague and co-host Sean Morgan. And uh, it's just an exciting time to talk some football, isn't it, man? It is. I mean, it's it's been a long and very tumultuous season for a lot of teams, a lot of players, and I think fans. It's been up and down for just about every organization in the NFL for one reason or another. And so it's time for it to culminate in what I hope is the weirdest playoff that we've ever seen. Come on, give me something strange, NFL. That is very possible. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, let's go ahead and just go through a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, first, I have, are the Eagles too legit to quit? Too uh, <laughs> uh, we have some playoff power rankings, which is a, a slightly reduced version. Uh, more of an appetizer than the, the full meal of our power rankings. Like it's, it's coming at the end, man. It's a dessert. It's a dessert. It's not an appetizer. Uh, then we are going to talk about some of the coaching carousel and mention the GM openings that are happening in the NFL. Uh, we're going to have, of course, our game of the week. And then we're going to do NFL picks for wildcard weekend. And uh, we're each going to take an AFC, NFC, and wildcard. It'll be a, a whole blast. Uh, but first things first, we got to talk about this uh, partially because of the Chris Collinsworth slander that was going on all over rightfully, NBC. Rightfully disciplined by the NFL. Just want to. You can't. You can't do that. You can't. I you can't come out and talk like that. I mean, I thought it was a little bit ridiculous, but you know, it was Nate Sudfeld's season uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Jalen Hurts had, you know, twelve of the Eagles' fourteen points so far, getting both of them on the ground, and not looking great in many other ways. But part of that is playing the football team, and their defense is the best part of their team. Uh, but down 17-14, uh, Doug Peterson made the, I, I think the best way to say it is the curious decision to play Sudfeld over Hertz. Uh, uh, NFL Twitter went crazy about this. Uh, I yeah, do have did. to throw this out there uh, just, just for Sean because I, I don't think he saw it. But I saw someone say, if the Eagles wanted to lose the game, they should have just started Carson Wentz. Uh I thought that was a little bit cold, but Ouch. slightly humorous, at least tongue in cheek, which NFL Twitter tends to do best. Uh, it, it just felt odd, if nothing else. And then kind of the pouring on by, like I said, Chris Collinsworth was just far too much. Sean, kind of give me a breakdown of, of what you were feeling about uh the Philly Eagles and what they were doing there uh, in a weird primetime game against yeah. the football team. So uh, props to the NFL for, by the way, moving that to primetime. That was a terrible decision. Uh, I mean, Peterson came out and had said ahead of time what he was planning to do, uh, that Sudfeld would likely get some snaps in the second half and that he'd be shifting around a lot of starters in order to get some guys, some, some first team reps and some play. I mean, ultimately the game was meaningless, right? And I think that the spotlight is shown on the Eagles 
instead of some of these other teams who essentially did the same thing. It just wasn't on primetime. I mean, we see playoff teams every year rest starters because they don't that the game is ultimately meaningless. Even if it has playoff ramifications for one or more teams, that doesn't matter because what matters is your organization, your players, your strategy, what you need to do. So this being on prime time, and of course the Giants doing what they had needed to do earlier in the day meant that everything was magnified. There was nothing else to watch except for you know the Eagles quote-unquote tanking in the second half. Uh, if you've heard me talk about the Eagles before and you're familiar with the organization at all, you know how much that QB2 spots, you know, valued. Sunfield obviously isn't QB2 quality, uh, but, you know, there's zero reason to risk Hurts. There's zero reason to risk Wentz late in the season that could potentially impact next year and it could impact their trade value. So, it made sense. And people are also giving Peterson crap for the uh, for the goal line fourth down call. I don't know if you guys have have watched any Eagles games. It's the same thing he's done all year in his entire career calling plays for the Eagles. That is that is quintessential Peterson. Uh, so I wasn't bothered by it. Uh, I thought that the tears of Giants fans were hilarious. Win more than six games, right? If you want to make it into the playoffs, win more than six out of 16 games, and then you have an argument. I saw Golden Tate throwing a fit on Twitter. <laughs> you sucked for us, man. We don't care. Go away. Okay? Like, it's it's hilarious to me that this became such a fiasco when essentially every team does something like this when they're in a similar situation because the way that the NFL draft is structured and the way that draft eligibility and order is structured, it rewards teams for essentially not winning games once they're in a, you know, week 16, week 17, right? And it rewards teams who have made the playoffs and guaranteed playoff berths to essentially do the same thing. This will continue to happen season in and season out unless the system is tweaked or modified to prevent it. So I... I'm I, as a, as an Eagles fan, I am not bothered. I think it's hilarious, and you know, cry more, Giants fans, cry more. I mean, I think if nothing else, Golden Tate's performance on Twitter was probably his best performance of the season, because we know he's not bringing it on the field anymore. I just um, took a drink. Why would you make that <laughs> water? I'm going to spit it all over all over my mic and the and my keyboard, man. You can't do that to me. <laughs> Sorry, I I have not been a fan of Golden Tate since the touch reception that he got back in like 2012. Uh, I can't stand that guy. Uh, he is so full of himself. And I'm not surprised that he threw a fit because, I mean, that's what wide receivers do when they don't get their way. That's so it, I think what this speaks more broadly to to myself and probably to you, like you mentioned, the QB2 situation. Are the Eagles going to potentially roll with Hurts next year? The news had already leaked out prior to the game that Carson Wentz was thinking of asking for a trade this offseason. I mean, if they trade Wentz or if they say, hey, you know what, we're going to trade Hurts, 
and try to get some value for that second round pick we had, because let's face it, that three game stretch that Hertz had as the starter for, for four games there. I mean, that might be the best that you get out of him. I mean, he only won one game. That's true. And, and he didn't look polished as a passer. He, he was okay. You know, if for some reason Sudfeld is going to be the backup, you have to be able to trust him because we all saw players like John Wolford coming in for the Rams. Uh, I can't even remember the guy who's coming in to back up Kyler Murray that threw a horrible pick six. Uh, just they ran that highlight. I don't know how many times of Troy Hill getting that interception for a touchdown. And I can't remember the Cardinals quarterback's name because he's that bad. The backup quarterbacks that people keep on rosters nowadays is completely absurd and it's it's like, somewhat sad like if if Sudfeld was backing up Jimmy G in San Francisco 49ers would have won like two games right if that so yeah so it really kind of, I mean to be fair right to be fair we knew what we were getting with Sudfeld to begin with he's played preseason and he's seen limited action he is he is very deep on the roster on the depth chart for a very good reason. But, you know, if we could potentially see, Hey, this is, this is a, a perfect situation to evaluate a quarterback, right? Hey, you're, you're down three. The game is winnable, right? You have, you know, a, you know, some, some younger receivers and some veteran receivers, you know, you're playing against a team that has a good defense. This is a winnable game. Let's see what you can do. Right. This is the type of situation that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick thrives in. Okay. Let's see what you can do as the backup quarterback coming into this type of situation. What do you do? You throw ugly picks, you fumble, you suck. Like point blank, you, you come in and you disappoint tremendously. This conversation, right. Wouldn't be happening. This segment wouldn't be happening if we would have won that game. Right. Oh, if, absolutely. If, if we would have won that game, nobody would have batted an eye at Hertz being, by the way, Hertz ended up seven for 20, right? Yeah, he, he ran the football okay and got some touchdowns, but the offense was otherwise somewhat anemic. And it's, in, in any other circumstance, nobody is going to think twice about a quarterback who is seven and 20 getting, getting benched with, 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 with turnovers, getting benched. Nobody is going to, going to really bo- be bothered by that at all. Um, it's just the fact that Wentz was a healthy scratch and we went with Sudfeld, which considering our circumstances made perfect sense. The other thing is it wasn't Doug Peterson's fault that you guys were on third string left and right tackles. Yeah. It wasn't Doug Peterson's fault that Fletcher Cox was hurt and unable to play in the contest. Like you can, you can throw out a bunch of scenarios, but there wasn't a reason to put someone out who might be hurt when, because your season was not on the line. Mm-hmm. So personally, I, I get it. I think it makes sense, but you almost have to think about it as an organizational move. Like I, I feel like if the GM said, Hey, let's get some snaps for Sudfeld and Peterson said, you know what? You're right. We need to see how this guy plays. I, I believe it. I think that it was both of them together kind of said, hey, we need to see what we have in game film. And it was bad. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, he's out was, of football next it was, year. It was, it was not good. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, like bottom line, I don't care if it was Doug's call. 
I don't care if it was the GM, uh, if it was, if it was Howard's call. I don't care if it, you know, came from, from Lurie. I don't care who made the call to, you know, quote unquote tank. It doesn't matter to me, right? Ultimately what matters is it made the most sense for our organization to act in the manner that we did. And we were, you know, I don't say we were rewarded for it. It just simply is, right? I don't think he's lost the locker room because of a decision, right? I mean, if anything, some of these guys who may not otherwise have gotten, you know, first team snaps in a regular season were able to go out and play. And then I, I don't think they felt like they were taking away an opportunity to win the game, especially considering Doug came out and said this was what he was going to do before the game. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, we have only 14 teams left with a chance for a ring. It's that time. It is. The greatest playoff power rankings known to mankind. I'm not just a mankind. This is anywhere in the universe. Right? Oh, absolutely. I, I challenge you to find a better set of NFL playoff power rankings outside of planet Earth. All right. Well, let's dive into the Brody Sports Talk NFL Power Rankings Playoff Edition. If you are unfamiliar with power, power. <laughs> if you are unfamiliar with power rankings, there we go. That's the right word. Uh, we take all 32 NFL teams normally, um, and we rank them one through 32 based on how good they are respected to one another. Well, for the playoffs, we have instead taken all 14 playoff teams, and we've ranked them based on how good we think they are relative to one another. Obviously, these are the best of the best. These are the teams that have earned their postseason berth one way or another and have various, I would say, expectations, prospects, and likelihoods of getting that ring. Now, normally with our Brody Sports Talk Power Rankings, we separate 32 NFL teams into eight tiers, or sorry, four tiers of eight teams. Well, we only have 14 teams here, so we've decided to do things again a little bit differently. So instead, we have separated them into three tiers, the top tier. Uh, these are our favorites. These are four teams that we consider to have the best chance at postseason glory. Uh, then the next five are going to be our dark horses. These are teams that have exceeded expectations this year or have shown that they can match up with just about anybody but aren't going to be your overwhelming favorites. And then finally, we have our long shots. These are the teams that may have limped into the playoffs or had to fight, you know, and, and claw their way to a postseason berth just barely, maybe week 16, week 17 to lock that in. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, this is our favorites tier coming in at number one to nobody's surprise, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, number two, Green Bay Packers, three, Buffalo Bills, and four, New Orleans Saints. So, Caleb, these are four really good teams who have had quite a lot of success this season. Maybe some down stretches, some doubts uh, about, you know, their potential at getting a Super Bowl ring. But, you know, they've earned their buys and they've earned their their number two seeds. Now, of these four teams, who do you think is likely to disappoint their fan base the most? I don't want to necessarily say that they're not going to end up winning at all or at least winning a game or two, 
but who do you think of these four is likely to disappoint the most? Right now, I would have to just go with the New Orleans Saints. And I know Saints fans are probably irritated to hear me say it, but they're the team that has had these playoff hiccups each of the last several years. It almost seems like the Saints are a great regular season NFL team. And then they get to the postseason and are like, mm, nope, okay. And they, they don't have an easy matchup, in my opinion, this first week with the up-and-coming Bears team. And then if they win that, I think they're going to host Seattle. And Seattle has looked a lot better down the stretch than I think anyone really thought they would, you know, after that embarrassing loss to the Giants. So I think that the Saints are the team most likely to disappoint because I don't know if they're going to win two games. You know, if they had the week of rest, you know, like a the two seed used to get, I think they would have a lot better chance. Okay. I think that, you know, Breeze, especially with all of his health issues, you don't want to see him out there getting hits from the Bears defense and then potentially seeing Jamal Adams come on a blitz the following week. It just yeah, does not seem like a good recipe for Sean Payton and the Saints. Just a smidge, Gary. Uh, I'm going to go a diff- bit of a different direction. I'm actually going to say the Buffalo Bills. And the reason for that is if there is any team right now in the NFL that is riding high on not just their chaotic and insanely dedicated fan base, but currently has a bunch of bandwagon fans whose teams did not make the playoffs and you know are now pulling for uh, an unlikely hero, uh, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. So I think that they stand to disappoint the most. Uh, this is a team that doesn't really have a any any real proven track record in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to be led by you know a young quarterback who has had a fantastic season, but is still you know like I don't think he's fully shaken off some of the growing pains that he's had in his career. And you know these are guys who haven't really tasted this type of glory before the hype may be too much and this is a Colts team that is led by a quarterback who's been in the league for you know eight of Josh Allen's careers (laughs) Uh, and (laughs) you know is is very talented and has proven that they can match up against some of these better teams and you know take them to the to the fourth quarter so the saints are going against a you know they they have a a, they're a double digit favorite right now and then you know the chiefs and packers have a buy and are going to be hosting throughout the entire ordeal so to me the bills stand the most to lose and you know a first round exit after such a magnificent season i think would really be a huge blemish on what has otherwise been you know, a, a division winning, um, you know, high flying, hopeful Buffalo team. Uh, moving on down to our dark horse uh, tier. These again, these are the five teams that may be favorites in some of their games, but, you know, they, they're not going to be uh, either hosting the entire time or, you know, maybe a couple hiccups in the regular season have casted some shadows on their uh, on their postseason dreams. Coming in at number five, the Baltimore Ravens, six Seattle Seahawks, 
seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers, eight Pittsburgh Steelers, nine Tennessee Titans. Uh, Caleb, if you had to pick one of these five teams to make the Super Bowl, not necessarily win, just make the Super Bowl, who would you pick? Uh, if I was going to take one today, I would actually take the Seahawks. I think that the NFC is the more chaotic path in general. Having to upset the Chiefs as a champion makes picking in the AFC just less likely for me. Whereas I feel like Seattle has a favorable matchup. They know the Rams. I know they lost the split the season series with them, but you're not getting golf. You're not getting the full Rams punch that you sometimes could get. I think that they're going to be able to take that one. Then they would face New Orleans. They're not, and they have some playoff experience. You know, Russell is a Super Bowl winner. I I think that they can definitely make noise and get there, even if it's beating the Rams and potentially, you know, the Saints and Packers as well. It wouldn't be an easy route, but I think that the NFC is definitely more likely to have chaos abound than the AFC. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, again, I'm going to try to go a different direction here. Um, I, I don't disagree with you that I think of these five teams, the Seahawks seem, and, and I'd almost put them kind of in the same bucket uh, as the as the Bucks, I, I feel like the the likelihood is is kind of equal. But I'm actually going to go with the Ravens here, um, and I know you and I had talked about it pre podcast a little bit earlier today, and then I feel like the Ravens are really primed for a deep deep playoff run. The Chiefs really do remind me of the Ravens that went 14 and two, had a few blemishes, um, but otherwise had you know performed to expectation you know throughout the latter half of the season uh this is a team that has kept a lot of games unusually close this year not just you know on the road but at home uh and have shown a lot of chinks in their armor if there is any team i think that has the most momentum heading into the playoffs it's this ravens team who's won five straight and has arguably like either dominated or proven that they're able to, you know, come out and score points on just about anybody. And I get that they gave up a lot to the Browns, but this is still one of the best defenses in the NFL. So to me, I think that carrying that momentum into the playoffs, I do believe they beat the Titans and I, I think they end up having a, a very deep playoff run. Do they make the Super Bowl? I don't know, but I would give them, I think a, a better chance at doing it because I, I do believe that the NFC uh, making it to the Super Bowl starts and stops in Green Bay. That is not a place I want to play in January. Uh, so, you know, give me, give me Baltimore in, if I have to be a betting man. <clears throat> All right, let's move on down to our long shots. And these are the teams that, well, they're probably not going to make the Super Bowl. They're just kind of happy to be there <laughs> you know yay we made it <clears throat> wave our little flag uh coming in at number 10 the indianapolis colts 11 los angeles rams 12 cleveland browns 13 chicago bears and 14 washington football team so these are five teams that have had varying fortunes throughout the season some of them just 
barely making it to the playoffs at the very end. Actually, all of them were essentially uh, making it as of week 17 needed to either win or have a few things happen for them. And of these five teams, in your opinion, Caleb, right? A lot of them are expected to be one and dones. If you had to pick one of them that wasn't going to be a one and done, who are you looking at? Just because they were at home, I would say that I think the football team uh, stand a chance. I know that it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Devin White is out for the Buccaneers, uh, who's a fantastic linebacker, very underrated in the middle of that defense. And the football team has a defense that's good enough to at least stifle the Buccaneers. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady is going to have a pleasant day in that backfield. And we all know that Bruce Arians likes throwing the ball deep. Something's got to give. They're either going to have to say, you know what, we're doing these checkdowns and we're going to break some tackles. Because let's face it, when you have players like Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and you know, hopefully Mike Evans is back healthy for this game, just because we like having people healthy for playoff games, you know, really good. Uh, I just I feel like the football team being at home gives them a significantly greater chance of pulling an upset. I probably would have taken the Browns, but with the Stefanski out and Batonio out, I just I'm really hesitant to to touch them in that contest, especially given the fact they only won by two at home when the Steelers had half their backups. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there were some late scores, but uh, I mean, I I get you. I I do have a lot of unease around the Browns. Uh, again, I'm going to go in a in a slightly different direction here, and for me, it's it's kind of neck and neck between the Colts, interestingly enough, and the Bears. So I'm probably going to go ahead and give the give the edge to the Colts here, and it's kind of the same reason that I said that the Bills are the most likely to be a disappointment because if they get a first round exit well who is it that's beating them so you know that's going to be my justification here is that you know there's a uh there have a head coach who got it done as an oc for us that i have a huge amount of faith in to get it done in the playoffs and kind of for the bears right it's the same thing that you talked about we never really know what Saints team is going to turn up. And you also don't know how the refs are going to try to screw the Saints. You know, what's what's going to happen here, right? I mean, it's the it's the the double doink meets the, you know, refs, you know, caused us to lose. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how this matchup ends up playing out. But Drew Brees is every bit his age this is his last hurrah I don't know how much he has in him and this is a good Saints team I don't you know I don't want to say that it just starts and stops with Breeze you know there's there are a lot of incredibly talented players on both sides of the ball I mean you could have a you know a Kamara who goes through and runs for you know another multiple touchdown game but if history is any indication, the Saints do disappoint. This could be a the surprise upset of the first round. 
Um, but those are our 14 teams. If you agree with us, great. Well, we, we did this all for a reason. If you disagree with us, well, Caleb can deal with that on Twitter. I do want to say, um, just because I, I didn't mention it in our opening spiel, uh, we do take mine, Caleb's, our, um, our uh, in-between uh, co-host Travis, and then the collective rankings of uh, the good guys over at Clutch Crew Sports. And we combine them all to form our ultimate power rankings. And, you know, we, we do vary actually quite a bit. I'm much higher on the Ravens than the rest of everybody. Um, you know, Clutch has some weird fascination with Tom Brady and the Bucks. You guys are going to have to explain that one to me at some point. And I don't know if it's just you hate Phil Rivers or what, but each and every week, it's like you guys try to drown the Colts. I'm just glad the Cowboys aren't in this anymore because I was so tired of seeing you guys rank them like six or seven spots higher than pretty much every other co-host on the show and every sporting website that I would ever read. But anyway, uh, that's our official power rankings. Sean going off a little bit there, uh, but that's fun. That's what's it's my last. That's what's hey, it's, I mean, it's the it's the it's the final time, you know. True. Uh, so I, true. I gotta I gotta go hard. You know, gotta go hard and paint. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause and we'll be right back with the coaching carousel. Welcome back. And we're going to jump right into it with the coaching carousel. And uh, we're going to go ahead and talk through a few different openings and each kind of try to pick someone that we think is the best candidate to land at that spot. Uh, look, and I think we're going to try to, to not double up. We're trying to forecast the future a little bit here, pull out our, if we're better than your local meteorologist, I'm going to say that we get credit. So uh, let's let's start with the team that just hired a GM, the Texans. Uh, they brought in Nick Casario from New England. Uh, Sean, clearly they were the team that kind of got the ball rolling. I think they were the first one to get it going with getting rid of Bill O'Brien. Quinn was a little bit later. Yeah, uh, Bill O'Brien was the first one. I mean, I mean, the Texans had an awful, awful start, so it made sense. Yeah. So who do you see as a, a good fit there in Houston? So I'm going to go a little bit different um, with the way that I've done these. I'm not necessarily going to give who I think is going to be the best fit. I'm instead going to talk to you about who I think is going to be the likeliest fit. Uh, now, for me, I feel that with these six openings, that about half of the teams are going to go with retreads. This is going to be very NBA-ish. You know, it's the same coaches getting passed around from organization to organization to organization. To me, the Texans need to stop the bleeding. They have a good roster. They have a decent roster, right? They're, I'm not going to say it's going to be the best job opening. So they may not necessarily be able to get a, you know, a preem candidate, but they should be able to get somebody who's decent and I think is going to be able to right the ship just a bit. So if I had to pick three names from the retreads, uh, I think we're going to see somebody like a Jim Caldwell or a Marvin Lewis. I know those names may make Texans fans cringe a bit, but to me, it feels like getting somebody who has, you know, at least hit the playoffs a time or two. I mean, you can't doubt Marvin Lewis uh, exceeded expectations at the Bengals early on in his career. And then kind of wrote on that for for a very, very long time. If there is any 
other coaching hire I feel that might make sense. It's potentially because of the Patriots connection. This could be where Josh McDaniels lands. And it feels like a much better fit, I think, for him than any of the other teams. And so if we're going to throw the McDaniels name around anywhere as a, you know, as the favorite or a likely landing spot, to me, this feels it. You know, it's, it's a guy that the GM knows and maybe has an opinion on already. I don't believe the Texans branch out with a surprise hire here. Doesn't really feel like it. What about you? What do you think, Caleb? I think one of the best ways for the Texans to help themselves is to, to hurt a division rival in the process. Uh, I think that the Texans are very likely to go out and get Arthur Smith, the current offensive coordinator of the Titans. Uh, one, he is a former offensive lineman. He has made that offense go from where Derrick Henry was hitting a thousand yards a year to hitting 2000 yards a year. Um, and I mean, they had Henry before and Henry was not nearly the star that he is where people are talking about him as a potential MVP. The best thing you can do if you're the Texans is yeah, you have Deshaun Watson, but let's not make everything have to be look at how Deshaun totally evaded three pass rushers on this play to throw a five yard pass. You know, that's not exactly the offense, the way that you want to draw it up. If you can get a run first play action, let Deshaun just make the smart decisions. I think that that would be a home run hire for the Texans, not to mention you're kind of getting a jab in at the team that won your division. Uh, I mean, that's, that's fair. Let's go to uh, the next team. Uh, they do have a GM opening as well. It's the Atlanta Falcons. So I have, I have a couple, right. That really spring to mind for this. And uh, I, I feel like, and we're, we're going to talk lions here soon, but this kind of goes hand in hand. Cause I really feel like some of the candidates are, if, if it, if they don't go here, they go there. Um, and that's Robert Sala and Arthur Smith. I know you just talked about Arthur Smith landing, um, you know, landing with the Texans, but to me, right. It feels much more like a, uh, like a blank hire. Uh, this really feels like more like a Falcons fit. If I had to branch out and go with somebody else, I think that Joe Brady could very well be, uh, you know, considered for that spot. Uh, he's done much better than I think a lot of people expected um, with the Panthers. And then this is the same, you know, this is the same, you know, Joe Brady that basically allowed Joe Burrow to, you know, grow and and turn into the juggernaut that he was in college if there's any job that joe brady goes to right to me this feels like it's it that said generally speaking falcons coaching hires are somewhat conservative if there is any team that's going to retain their interim it's going to be the falcons so we could very well see if none of these, if you know, if if Sala goes somewhere else, if Brady goes somewhere else, I mean, you could very well see uh, see Morris come in. The other only hire I can think of is maybe Todd Bowles, the the Bucks defensive coordinator. Feels like that could be a, a spot for him too. Um, I know you you're feeling a, a few retreads. I'm not going with a retread here though. Uh, the name that you didn't mention 
I think because the Falcons do have a roster that could turn around and compete for a playoff spot next year, I think they're going to go get Eric Bieniemy. Uh, they're going to see what he's done uh, in the running game when he was the running game coordinator for the Vikings in, early in Peterson's career. He has made the running game look good under Andy Reid and the Chiefs. He's been their OC. I think that it's just going to be a, hey, let's bring someone in who we think can actually bring out a little bit more in our offense. And, you know, they they had Quinn. They had that defensive coach where the defensive results weren't coming in. Let's at least get an offensive coach. You know, the last time they were good, they had Shanahan. Yeah. I know that they could go to the Shanahan tree, but I think that Biennemi would be a, a solid fit as well. If you, I mean, if you look at Biennemi though, he is obviously the big name. And I think the coaching candidate who probably will have the most offers and the most to choose from is the Falcons the most desirable job for him, right? If he potentially could, you know, go to the Texans or if he could, you know, go to the Jags, um, Chargers even, I don't know if, you know, that this is somebody who has thrived under Andy Reid and, I don't know. I actually feel like he's kind of a risky hire considering Reed calls plays, but you know, we'll, we'll see how, how he pans out. That so that I feel like that's a good hire. It doesn't really feel like a Falcons hire. That's fair. Uh, let's keep moving on. Uh, let's go to the next one that had opened up. Uh, also the GM spot is currently open. It's the Detroit lions. Uh, obviously this one is really strong to me. It's in the division. Uh, before you go, I'm just going to mention him because you had already brought him up. I think Robert Sala is it, it's such a A plus B equals, yeah, this is a perfect spot for you. Uh, you know, being a guy, if you heard our coach in waiting episode on Robert Sala, he's a, he's a Michigan guy. He, he's coached at colleges up there. He went to college up there. He's got a home up there. The congressmen want him to come yeah. <laughs> and be the coach of the Lions. I think Sala would be a huge home run hire for the Lions. The, I think the question to me is, and to whether Sala would be successful, is who who's going to be the GM? You need to have someone in there no, that you true. trust. And I don't know the if they're willing to. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, I don't know if you're going to let Sala have input on that, if you hire him first, or if you're going to bring in a GM who might want someone different. So that would be the reason why I would say that doesn't end up lining up is the lines go with the GM who has a bit of a different flavor. No. And that's fair. And, and I do think Sala is the overwhelming favorite here. Um, like I said, I do believe Arthur Smith is probably kind of neck and neck. Those both feel like they would be lions hires. If I had to do maybe, um, you know, like I said, I, I do believe one of these six does end up keeping their interim. Um, Daryl Bevel has been their interim head coach. I don't know if the way that the Lions have closed out the season has done him any favors. And like I said, that's the reason why I'm kind of leaning as the Falcons being the one that most likely keep their interim. So Robert Sala really, to me, feels like the overwhelming option. But don't be surprised if, like I said, I do believe Marvin Lewis lands a job somewhere. And uh, this could be, this could also be uh, Marvin Lewis music. 
Uh, let's go to the the team that was probably the least shocking to hear the news <laughs> on a. Well, I guess it, we heard it before Black Monday. Even uh, the New York Jets fired Adam Gase. Uh, I do think it's hilarious because you said Gase was probably going to coach with Belichick, but I saw that Saban is trying to potentially get him to be the OC. I mean, which it's is so, it's totally the same thought. It's like the, it's the same thing, right? It's the exact same thing. I mean, Saban and Belichick are also like you know that there is same coaching tree and. Like they're they're good friends and they talk all the time, so that that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, who who do you have as a, a solid candidate there for the New York Jets? Um, so for me, right, this is a team that you know went out and got Adam Gase, who obviously didn't have the greatest tenure uh, with the Dolphins, but they were okay with that. This is to me where a a Jim Caldwell might come in. Uh, if we do see them go out and potentially grab somebody else, I, I feel like they're the ones who could look at a splashy or risky hire. If there's any team that's going to bring in a college coach, I think this might end up being the Jets. I think we could look at, I mean, Matt Campbell is still out there uh, as a as a potential option. So we could, it, there's really no other team for me that really jumps out and says, we're going to bring somebody up from, you know, from college. Uh, but, you know, the Jets haven't succeeded really with any of their head coaching hires in the last 15, 16 years. And so they may be looking at, you know, the, the Cliff Kingsbury coming up and having some success. They may be looking at Matt Rule coming up and having some, some success with, with rosters and teams that had otherwise massively underperformed or been inconsistent. And they may feel like a coach like Matt Campbell could potentially do that for them. That said, uh, maybe uh, Brian Dabble, the, the Bills OC, that could be, I, I think he's going to be con- thrown in to uh, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different head coaching jobs, but uh, I don't know. For me, it's between Caldwell and Campbell. I can't disagree with the Campbell connection. However, I think he would continue to rebuff them and wait for a, a more stable Yeah, I know he turned it down position. last year. Um, I mean, now, like if the Falcons came after Campbell, I think he'd have to consider because we've talked about it before that uh, Blank is so lenient and gives them time to, to you know, succeed. No, it's true. I don't think that that's what the Falcons are likely to do. Uh but I just don't see Campbell wanting to go to a, a Jets team that feels very much in a rebuild. I mean, it's, it's it's tough. I don't see a whole lot of candidates that I go, you know what? I think that they are an excellent fit. I think that this might be somewhere where you see someone who you'd say, wow. I, I do think it's going to be a retread situation because they almost have to get someone who's not going to get much of an offer somewhere else whether that's Jim Caldwell, whether that's Marvin Lewis, or, you know, the chairs are just running out and someone goes, Oh, uh, I take the jets deal. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean maybe if they, if they want to go the route of, uh, you know, maybe this is, this is where Jason Garrett goes. Maybe he wants a, another head coaching gig somewhere and, you know, he can potentially bring some, some stability to this franchise. It's not like he was a terrible coach, uh, he was just a mediocre to above average coach 
And, you know, honestly, the Jets roster is mediocre as it gets. And so, you know, if they, they can get six, seven wins, you know, that's actually seven wins, seven wins. Is that Jeff Fisher's music I hear? <laughs> uh, speaking of candidates that wouldn't get a job anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> let's move on from the Jets. We can stop picking on them. Uh, let's go to the, the team that's picking ahead of them in the draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they also have a GM opening. They, they decide to move on from Doug Marone. Uh, also one of the least surprising coaching changes. Uh, what do you think about the, the Jaguars opening? Who do you see potentially going there? I mean, obviously the Urban Meyer rumors are just great, right? They're just great. If there's any job that I would potentially take as an Urban Meyer out of these six that would make me consider going to the NFL, Obviously, one is appealing as this one, you know, considering the considering the roster, considering getting getting a Trevor Lawrence, uh, having just all of that, you know, uh, all that to work with is is fantastic. So, uh, if it's not him, honestly, I think this is where we see either Josh McDaniels or Brian Dabble land. Uh, I think they're going to go after an offensive-minded coach that is going to work with this young quarterback and show that, you know, they can, they can succeed in Jacksonville. I mean, look at what Dabble's done with Josh Allen, a quarterback that nobody outside of a very select few thought was going to be the best quarterback out of that class. But he has clearly shown that he has exceeded any expectations that people had of him and has led the bills to where they are. Uh, and then Josh McDaniels has a long history of, you know, getting quarterbacks to uh, perform above average. And, you know, this is this is a much more appealing job than ones that he's considered taking in the past. Uh, so to me, this is a this is a offensive hire. This doesn't feel like a retread. This is going to be a I think the most dynamic of any of the positions that are available. Uh, this could be where the enemy lands, but I still feel that because you notice I actually haven't said that name yet um, in any of these because I, I have a very specific spot I believe he's going to be landing. So, I, I think the urban news is is just too much to to not at least think that there's some fire where there's smoke. Yeah, uh, you know, the, if he's talking about getting twelve million a year. Uh, I also think that he's not getting a 10-year deal like Gruden got then as well. Like <laughs> it might be a 12, 12 mil for six years or something. 12 mil for like six weeks. I'm, I have a tough time. I really feel like who they've gone after in previous times have been coordinators, but I don't feel like there's a coordinator that is a solid fit here. I do think bring someone who would mentor a potential quarterback. Uh, I do know that we've said in the past that the Jaguars draft a ton of guys from Clemson. I don't think Dabo is leaving. Dabo's never coming to the NFL. Dabo's, give, give him 25 Dabo's, million a year. See, yeah. see what he wants. <laughs> um, he has, he, honestly, I think Dabo has a better situation than Saban. 
Oh. There is there is zero reason for him to make a move to the NFL. God, I he would be a terrible NFL coach. I know we've talked but, about this. But it's just one of those things where I go, Urban, I feel like it somewhat makes sense. Uh, he could maybe bring Tom Herman in as his offense coordinator. <laughs> and keep, you know, let's bring the band back together, Urban. Let's let's see what happens for you no, and Jackson. This is, this is this is where Hugh Jackson lands, right? No, actually, sorry, Mar- Marvin oh, Lewis and Hugh Jackson are, are glued to a hip, so they're okay. they're in the, they're in New York together. Yeah, uh, honestly, if, if this is isn't Urban Meyer's spot, Urban Meyer never takes an NFL job. There is no better opportunity than that he's going to get than this one right here to have a clean slate and to put his stamp on any you know football legacy he wants to have. He has every you know he's done everything collegiately that he possibly could with two different teams this is his chance to make a stamp on the nfl and if he doesn't take it then you're never going to see him in the pros well let's go to the team that also does not have a gm opening in the los angeles chargers uh i, I feel like you've been holding on to your pick for a while this is where the enemy lands uh to me right i think he sees uh, this situation with the Chargers, e- even though you know it's a it's a division rival, when it comes to coaches, this really doesn't seem to play an effect uh, like a, an impact at all. Uh, I mean, they're all professionals and they understand the nature of the business. But if I'm looking at all of the potential situations in regards to a, a the roster in regards to the quarterback stability, and specifically, like in the division, I'm thinking if I'm the enemy that I don't care about taking a Jets, Lions, or Falcons job. I don't think that those are, you know, if I am considered the best head coaching candidate right now in the NFL, then I don't think those are the three best jobs. I think the Jags are going to be looking, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll look at OC. Uh, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he if he goes there. But I think that he can, we don't know how good Trevor Lawrence is going to be. We had a very good idea this past season of how good Justin Herbert is, uh, record setting. And so if I'm the enemy, that's where I want to land. And I think that, you know, if anything, I mean, we could potentially see, like some of the other names that I mentioned, uh, I know Brian Dabble, I don't think I've given him officially a job yet. Uh, in in this, I think that could be a potential landing spot for him. Uh, and again, if Jason Garrett does get back into uh, into head coaching, I can see a team that wants a more offensive minded coach uh, giving giving him a shot. That's actually where I'm going. I think that Jason Garrett is going to take this job to be the head coach of the Chargers. Uh, I don't know if Jason Garrett's issues were himself or being part of the crazy organization that is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, You got to give him credit. You know, when Dak looked good in the preseason, he played him. You know, he developed a young quarterback that was coming into the league that wasn't someone that people expected. Herbert is someone that people expected a few years, and he looked pretty dang good. Let's continue that development, you know. Plus, I've talked about it with some of the other openings. It just happens where the pendulum has to swing back and forth. You brought in Mike McCord, former offensive coordinator of the Broncos as a head coach. 
He didn't really pan out. You brought in Anthony Lynn, former offense coordinator of the Bills. I don't think you want to go back to the Bills and say, hey, can we take another <laughs> offense coordinator? Uh, I think you go with someone who might have more experience. You know, before McCoy came in, they had Norv Turner. They had Marty Schottenheimer. I think they're going to go with someone who may be a retread, but I think Jason Garrett has a lot of reasons why he would make sense and be a solid fit there. And I have him like if uh, as my essentially number one and a half, right? I, I still think this is Biennemi's best job, but obviously, you know, depending on the offer and how he evaluates a roster, um, you know, Garrett does feel like such a natural fit in that situation that I would not be surprised if that's where he is coaching in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, just for the record, the GM spots that are opening that are not uh, paired with head coach are the Carolina Panthers, uh, the Denver Broncos with John Elway oddly stepping back in his role and giving himself like a promotion, and <laughs> and uh, the Washington football team. They haven't had a GM all year. Ron Rivera has basically kind of been doing both, but that wasn't the long-term plan. So Props now is the time to go get an actual GM. God, who would want to work for that organization? I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. Like playing, playing for is a different ball game, right? But you know, being in some sort of administrative role with such a terrible owner, definitely out of all of these jobs, probably not the, uh, not the most desirable. Although I would say, if the football team did have a GM, they probably wouldn't have cut Haskins. So that definitely felt like more of a coach saying, yeah, I'm getting rid of this guy. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Uh, let's go over to our game of the week, the Ravens at Titans. Uh, this is definitely the closest line amongst all the spreads. It's only a three-point spread. And it's, in my opinion, even though it's a rematch of a regular season contest, it's definitely the most intriguing contest. Uh you have the Ravens who, of course, were on fire last year. And like you said, they got to the postseason and they lost at home to the Titans. So what do they get? The first round of the playoffs? Revenge match against yep. the Titans on their field to try to upset them. And the Titans, boy, are they confusing. Uh, <laughs> it's so tough to watch them and rank them week to week. And they have been one of the consistently inconsistent teams in all of the NFL. Yeah. For our power uh, rankings, they have been firmly in the seven to 12 spot, just basically bouncing back and forth based on who they've beaten that week or who they inexcusably lost to, you know, that week. Uh, Sean, who do you have as a, your X factor for this contest? Um, I mean, I think the easy answer would be Lamar Jackson, but I want to talk a couple of things. Um, and I guess my X factor really is going to be this uh, Tennessee Titans defense as a whole, right? Because in order for them to match up against Lamar, they're going to need to do a lot of things that they have not shown the ability to do this season. They're in the bottom half of the NFL in rushing defense. They are fourth from the bottom in passing defense right? This is a team that does not get to the quarterback at all. They have 19 sacks on the season. This is the fewest by any playoff team since 1979. Okay. 
this is a no-name defense, right? Um, you know, players like the, the only ones that you know I can even think of, uh, Malcolm Butler, um, uh, Harold Landry's been okay, right? But this is this is a team that has is like terrible. I think the twenty-fourth or twenty-fifth scoring defense. They don't. The games that they've won against good teams have either been shootouts or it's been a situation where both teams look ugly, right? Um, they've been able to capitalize, I think, on some mistakes. And for me, right, it's all on the back of Derrick Henry and him going through. And he broke the 2,000-yard barrier. Congratulations. Leads the league in touchdowns. You know, he is as complete of a running back as you can possibly get. But the Titans offense doesn't really inspire a lot of hope to me outside of that. And their defense gives me no hope at all. So X factor entire Titans defense is going to need to step up against both the run and the pass in order to slow down a Ravens team that has looked incredibly good coming into the playoffs. I don't disagree. I it's so tough. You see that they won their last game 41-38 against the Texans and that's doinking in a field goal as time yeah. expired. Because the Texans who had nothing to play for. Other than I maybe they have themselves in a weird fantasy league where they play week 17. I, I there was not a whole lot going on there, that's for sure. I the Titans just are disappointing. I there's there's not much else that I really feel like I can say about them. They won some of the games they needed to win this year, but even if you were looking at the last time they beat someone in a competitive matchup, you're either looking at the game they played the, against the Colts where DeForest Buckner was out. Or you're looking back when they actually beat the Ravens in week 11 in overtime. And that was, of course, the Sunday before Thanksgiving when all heck broke loose for the Ravens and with COVID-19 this year. Like, which, I, which I think, you know, if you look at their regular season record, I mean, they, they, if, if that all didn't happen, I think they would have won the division. All I know is when the Titans played a team that is not nearly as well known for their running in the Packers two weeks ago, AJ Dillon had 124 rushing yards and Aaron Jones had 94 rushing yards. <laughs> they got gashed over and over again on the ground. Even against the Texans, David Johnson had 14 carries for 84 yards. David Johnson has not been good this year. No. And David Johnson does not have a good offensive line. No. <laughs> if anything, that's been the Texans' weak point I, the entire season. I think that the Ravens well, are going to run rampant on this Titans defense, and it is going to get bad, and people are going to turn off the TV and wait for the late game. Uh, just to uh, – I didn't really say a specific X factor. I think Mark Andrews is going to have a touchdown or two in this game. I think that him as a red zone threat is going to be big for Lamar. They might run down the field and then get it to, to Andrews. That's not really a surprise. 
So I'm not saying, ooh, watch out for Mark Andrews. He's an X factor. Yeah, Mark Andrews, he's the most reliable red zone threat they have. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say the, the Ravens take this game. It's not going to be – it's not going to be close. I'm going to say 34 to 17. That's fair. Um, I think Marquise Brown may have a big game too. Um, I mean, like I said, the, the Titans have been against the pass, so we could potentially see some some big plays. Uh, I, I do also believe that it's going to be a Ravens win, obviously. I, I, I felt like I kind of hinted at that. Uh, I maybe am kind of leaning at a 31 to 20, uh, something, something around those lines. Um, I, I think... I think Henry gets gets a touchdown or two. Um, I mean, has a has a decent game. I just don't feel like the Titans are going to be able to score on enough possessions, and we're going to see a Ravens team that doesn't really slow down, and you know maybe has has a few drives stall here or there, but you know other than that, it just really feels like this is this is the Ravens game to lose. Well, let's go ahead and move over to our NFL picks. Uh, as I said, we do our picks against the spread. Uh, currently, we don't go head-to-head. Uh, if you're looking at a spread like the Ravens-Titans one, it's Ravens minus three or Titans plus three. If you take Ravens minus three, you expect the Ravens to win by more than a field goal. If you take Titans plus three, you expect it to be either very close or a Titans upset, which who knows? Anything could happen. It is a... I believe they're dubbing it super wild card weekend in the <laughs> NFL as they've gone to, you know, six games instead of four. So I like this, by the way, I, I, I do looking at this. I do feel like it's uh, this, this expanded, especially in the AFC. Um, you know, you, you really did get, you know, some, some good teams making it in by the skin of their teeth. And I've seen not so much, but you know, it, it's warranted in the AFC at least. Well, Sean, uh, you have the first pick. Uh, we're going to take an AFC, NFC, and a wild card team. Uh, so you get to go first. I do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks minus eight. I know that's a bit of a uh, an iffy line, I would say, but I really don't have any faith in Washington in regards to having a a very deep postseason run here. Uh, I think the Bucks do win, and I do think it's going to be by double digits. Uh, they've looked really, really good heading into the playoffs. And for me, the fact that Washington, with a playoff berth on the line, couldn't do anything against a depleted Eagles defense that, you know, wasn't really trying uh, means that they're probably going to struggle even more against the Bucks. I don't think that this game ends up being uh, ends up being super close. Uh, with you taking the Buccaneers, I'm going to take the other road favorite and the game we already talked about. So I'm not going to wax eloquently here. I'm going to take the Ravens minus three. Obviously, I predicted them by 17 in the score prediction. <laughs> so I feel comfortable that they will be yeah. able to handle that. And you, you, I mean, you had 11. So I think you feel pretty comfortable as well. If I didn't take no. it, you were going to. It feels like a, this feels like a very favorable line for the Titans. I'm, I'm surprised that you know, it's only plus three. Uh, well, I got to go to the AFC and I'm going to back up what I said a little bit earlier about the bills. I'm going to take Colts plus six and a half. This just means that the game needs to be within a touchdown. 
Uh, I do think ultimately the Bills do pull it out, but I think this is going to be a much closer game. I can see maybe a three or four point differential at the end. So give me the Colts plus six. Uh, seems seems like it's going to going to be what we see. Don't forget your half point, Sean. You get six and a half there. Six and a half. Well, I mean, like I said, it's, <laughs> it's close enough. Uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take a team that I think will play close enough. I'm going to take the Bears plus ten and a half. Yeah, the the wheels might have fallen off a little bit in the fourth quarter this past week for Chicago, but in general, they've been playing a lot better than that. I, I just don't see the the Saints coming in and just completely running them roughshod. Uh, yeah. if, if anything, I feel like this is going to be more like potentially the, the Buccaneers-Bears game was earlier this year where the Bears ended up pulling a one-point upset. I just feel like it's going to be close. The, the Bears have enough offensive talent and have been feeding David Montgomery the ball enough that they're going to get into some favorable third downs. I would have thought we'd have this conversation a couple weeks back. Maybe the guy who who said he had to defend that they were going to make the playoffs. I know. In the, same, in the same manner that they did, by the way. In the exact same manner that they did. I said it. It, it would have helped if they hadn't lost to the interim coach bump Lions, but... <laughs> They blew that game and then came back and won three in a row. Uh, thank you for letting us play the AFC South this year to get two teams from our division into the playoffs. You know, getting the Texans and Jags down the stretch in, in December didn't hurt them at all. Helps out. Uh, well, let me let me go ahead and finish finish anything off. So I get, I get to choose between either Rams, Seahawks, or Brown Steelers. And with all the noise coming out of the Browns camp right now, um, I don't have a lot of faith in them. I, I know I had... In, in our Christmas episode, I had gifted them one playoff win. I don't think they get there. Uh, give me the Steelers minus six. Uh, this is, to me, the Browns game to lose uh, heading into it. But now they feels like they kind of lost it already. And I don't know what they're going to do with Stefanski out and how this whole head coaching situation is going to work. Uh, I mean, the Steelers have had ups and downs to close out the season. But, you know, they they still deserve to be there and hosting a playoff game when you're a team that talented. I, I feel like they get it done. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to the Pacific Northwest and I'm going to take the Seahawks. I just trust them minus four against the Rams. John Wolford didn't blow anyone away this past week. It may not be the prettiest game to watch. <laughs> on your TV this week. I just think that, you know, the Seahawks are able to do enough offensively and defensively to be able to, to find a way to win by at least four. Uh, it is a, a rematch of a fairly recent game between the two Seahawks won 20 to nine at home. If it's 20 to nine again, they would cover the four. So I feel pretty good that the Seahawks are are going to be able to get it done. That's fair. Actually, you know, out of all of the games that we've picked, right? Like looking at all these and, and who we think the winners are. That's the only one I actually differ with you on. Uh, I, I don't have, I think, as much faith in the Seahawks. And I haven't really all year as you do. And uh, I don't know. This just feels like if we had to pick one, 
um, one upset here that people aren't expecting. Right, that that feels like the most likely. We gotta we gotta have a postseason hero, right? This is this is Wolford's time to shine. Uh, and if I was gonna pick an upset that you weren't expecting, I would actually take the football team because I think that they are going to. I think the Bucks offense is gonna look bad. I think it's gonna look real bad against that defense. And then all the defense of the Bucks has to do is mess up a time or two, and you know let Terry McLaurin or Logan Thomas beat them a few times and the football team. I mean, if the football team hits 20 in that game, I think that they have a chance because they don't hit 20 very often. I mean, that's true. I don't know. It's going to be cut. These are some, these are some strange matchups, right? Like looking at them on paper and then thinking about them. There are a lot of very, very odd matchups. And I think that's because reality, the, People really want to see the Chiefs and Packers play. And I think that seeing some of these, some of these like, you know, uh, wild card teams, right? They're, if anything, I feel like the, the strongest wild card teams to me aren't the ones that, uh, that people are, are, are putting the most uh, expectation. To, to me, I thought the Colts were probably the strongest wild card team in the AFC, and they ended up with the worst matchup. And so that kind of, well, I, I guess the Ravens, I'm, I'm talking them up, but um, I feel like the, the, maybe if the, the, the Colts had played like the Steelers, I think that would be kind of a, a much more dynamic game. And I, I'm sure that people would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the Ravens go against, uh, you know, a, a team that's this as talented as the Bills. I, I no, no, no disrespect to the Titans, even though we just disrespected them for about 10 minutes. Uh, I feel like, I would have much rather have seen the Ravens go against a team that's just a notch or two caliber above uh, just to be a more dynamic matchup. I feel like the divisional rounds are going to give us uh, much more intriguing matchups. Well, friends, uh, thank you for joining us on Romans. this. Oh, yeah, I almost said friends, Romans, countrymen. I just, I just decided against it. Uh, thanks for joining us, though, for episode 75 of Brody Sports Talk. Uh, again, Sean mentioned it earlier. Follow us on Twitter at Brody Talk. We love interacting with you guys there. Also, uh, make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast five stars wherever you can. Uh, we always appreciate that. Vote for us on the Bracketeers uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Vote for us on the Bracketeers thing, too. Uh, so far today, we're doing awesome. I yeah, don't know if I you saw, saw that. Yeah, I did. I voted. Come on. Now. <laughs> yes, Caleb, <laughs> I did not see this. Thank you for pointing this out. <laughs> I didn't happen to mention it at all. <laughs> oh man! Oh well, it's been a long, been a, been a, been a, a long but early week. Absolutely. So we appreciate you joining us. Twenty twenty one. It's a new year. We're thankful for it, and we're just ready to get to the football. So uh, my name is Caleb. He's Sean, and we're signing out. Later. <laughs>